Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Presented by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also brought to you by First State Bank, Martin Supermarkets, Gate Chevrolet in South Bend, and Gate Chevy World in Mishawaka. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Centier Bank, Weaver Heating and Cooling, Pet Refuge, Sherwood Tire, Floor Coverings International, and Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger. Pipers. We appreciate them coming down here. We are at Eddie Street Commons across from Five Guys between Urban Outfitters and Brew Burger Bar. It's a glorious day. It's a beautiful day. Today it's red versus green. It's six versus seven. It's South Bend versus Columbus. It's a rivalry that we've been waiting for to maybe have a final solution today or something. I right? think should be a little bit more often, quite honestly. Yeah. A little bit more often than just, you know, this home and home series and then 30 years before that. So. You got it. That's Jim Arizari. I'm Tim Growl. We thank Matt Embry back in the studio and account executive Brian Miller here. And we did this especially for a guest that's been so nice to me to be on the show by phone the last two years. Broken all my rules. We've gone 45 <laughs> minutes. We've gone 55 minutes. We've gone a whole show. We're going to do almost all that again today, and that would be the legend Super Bowl NFL quarterback, Notre Dame All-American. I got a list of things here. Joe Theismann. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Tim. Thank you so much. Very kind. Appreciate you. Well, we only did it for you. And to those that you weren't down here, the bagpipers met Joe and escorted him down the middle of Eddy Street in the glorious of him, like riding a chariot into the... Yeah, I, I felt I did. I felt a little bit like an emperor coming in here. But you know what? You know, I we were talking about this. I think that would be a great idea to have the bagpipers start up at, at where the commons start and just go down the street because as we came down the street, everybody started. It was coming. like the pipe piper. It, it, yeah. like, it was like a parade. Right. I mean, it was fantastic, which is what Notre Dame's all about—just one big great parade. And when you suggested that in there, I looked and I said, "Once a quarterback." Oh, yeah. My wife yells at me all the time. She says, you have to be in charge of everything, don't you? And that's okay. 
Hey, Sebastian. Sebastian, what's your last name? Uh, Benedetto. Benedetto. What is uh, your position with the bagpipers? Uh, so I'm the uh, pipe major of the uh, Notre Dame bagpipe band. So uh, I'm the leader instructor for uh, for the time being as I'm here at Notre Dame. As and what, student, uh, so. what year are you at at Notre Dame? I'm a sophomore. A sophomore. Is that yeah. traditionally a sophomore becomes that position? No, it, it really depends on uh, the the prior leadership and uh, who was there and uh, I, I have uh, been playing humility, the bagpipes for a while. In all humility, so. just say it depends on how good you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You, can, that's you, right. you don't have to be humble. It's okay. Well, I appreciate no it. Yeah, problem. I um, I have had uh, experience uh, leading pipe bands before college, right. so um, coming here, it was, was kind of like... He's try, trying to help. Just trying to help out. So. Yeah, so how, uh, how if do you, you don't want to say that you're humble either, just say, I'm pretty damn good. I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> and, I how, and how do you how do you uh, pick all the rest of the players in your group? Oh, so uh, really, it's basically anyone that wants to join. You know, we, we are happy to have them. We have practices twice a week, two hours each practice, and um, those who stick with it, you know, I mean, pretty much all of them are right behind me, and. Um, they're, they're mostly sophomore, freshman, junior, any particular? Uh, sophomore, All freshman, over. junior, right. professors, seniors, ah, grad students, right. we have everyone. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah, we're just trying to spread uh, the Irish tradition, Irish culture here at Notre Dame and uh, so something if, I'm very passionate about. If anybody about. wanted to get a hold of you about the bagpipers, how would they do that? Uh, you could uh, email us, uh, the Notre Dame Bagpipe Band, um, at our email, which is uh, bagpipes at nd.edu. Um, and, yeah. We One can, more time, uh, it's simple. One bagpipes at nd.edu. All right. So, yeah. Well, I'll have to get with you. Joe's got a good suggestion. I got a There's suggestion. To talk to you. Yes. Yeah. You know, you were so kind to be able to sort of escort me into this today. No, of course. And what I told uh, Tim is that what a great idea it would be before every game for you to come right down 80 Street because everybody started coming to the side of the street. It's like a big parade just to hear you guys and gals do this. It was pretty So heck. I just think, I th- <laughs> I think really you was. ought to do it every game. Heck, we might have to. You- you'll have to I see us at, at USC. We- maybe you'll see us walking down Eddie Street. I hope Sounds so. Good. You we'll betcha. Sh- we'll try to do it again. We Sounds appreciate great. everything you awesome. do. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. Play yourself out? Excellent. Let's All right. do it. Go All right. It. Thank you. And go Irish. All right. Here we go. start the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can also stream us on WSBT Radio uh, and also Twitch. Audio on yep. Twitch today? Mm-hmm. Audio on, Audio Twitch, on today. Twitch Joe will understand that. Uh, Jim and I, we've got faces for radio, so we don't use Twitch to show our faces. <laughs> so We are mysterious. You look way. you look great. You look like you go out there right right now. Yeah, as long as nobody hit me and I didn't have to run, that'd be okay. <laughs> uh, just two small, throw, two small items. Things. I have three little qualifications. Let I mean, me ask. We, ju- we just stopped traffic for him. We could probably yes, rate that too. We so. did. So, 
have you had a chance to meet uh, Hartman? Yeah, I, I uh, saw Sam yesterday. As a matter of fact, went out to practice a little bit. I've met him before, too, when I was out on campus about a couple of months ago. And mm-hmm. I had a chance to communicate with him about every week. I, I send him texts and great. just tell him, you know, how great it is. It was really, it was really exciting when he was going to play his first game here. And I, I think the first experience at the University of Notre Dame as a player running into that stadium is something that stays with you all for your life which it did for me. I mean, people ask me about the most memorable experience I had, and that was when I ran out on that field for the first time, and the student body's on one side, the band's on the other side, the people are screaming and yelling, and there were only 55,000 of them at that time. That's right. And so now it's much, much larger. But, um, you know, Sam's a really great young man. I think he shows great leadership, uh, great skills as well. Uh, you know, you, you watch Sam play this game, it's looked like he's been on his campus his entire career. Right. It's... it's uh it's been stated that he actually went out and sought out Notre Dame quarterbacks. Um, I think he went out and saw uh, Jimmy Clausen. He met with mm-hmm. Brady Quinn, met with you, just to trying to get the feel of what does it mean to be a Notre Dame quarterback? What, what in specifically thing could you tell him to handle the, the big global pressure that's on him? Because he's played so much football, Tim, uh, being, a, you know, being a 60-year guy, it's not a new experience. We've had a lot of young guys here over the, over, you know, the last 10 years or so, let's say, that have uh, don't didn't have the experience. We saw it with Jack a few years ago, a right. guy who'd come in and played very well. It's the difference between experience and inexperience. And uh, with Sam, he's had so much. It's it's just that you know Notre Dame is unique. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's not like Ohio State. No offense to Ohio State fans, but it's not like Alabama. It's not like any other university. It's a very unique situation. The legacy of quarterbacks here, the the guys that have played the position goes back a long long way and now he gets to step into those shoes and be one of those guys um, that people will talk about going forward and I, I think he's, I think he plays the position well he's got got great touch I mean he's thrown 13 interceptions oh excuse me 13 touchdown passes without an interception, without right? an interception so I don't want to jinx him at all but <laughs> you know but that's that's the statistic speaks for itself right but I, I think that uh, I think he just wanted to get an idea what it was like mm-hmm. and uh, it's different like I say and I it's always good when you move into a new situation to seek people out who have been there just to see what their experience is. Now, his, his could be entirely different than any of us, but um, I, know he, I know he appreciated going out on the field. And we'll t- tonight's another, you know, it's another new animal. Right. It's a night game. Yep. Okay, it's in front of our fans. It's against a really, really good football team. It's going to be a great test for us. And so all those things, you know, all the stars are starting to fall in, into place. That's interesting how you how – you, uh verse that because I was thinking he there's probably nothing he hasn't seen up for as far as defenses before but it's a whole different environment that he's never factored into that yeah, right it's the environment that changes I mean obviously you're going to study film the coaches are going to prepare you to be able to go out and do what you're supposed to do and run the offense and then you have to be able to adjust the situations you know sort of make things up on the fly a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. that the ad living never hurts uh, and he has that kind of ability as well. No, I'm, I'm thrilled to watch. I, I get a big kick out of watching him play. I think he throws the deep ball very well, which we haven't had a part of this offense for a long, long time. Just stretching that field we never, We never put the yeah. ball down the field. And with Jared Parker being a guy that coached wide receivers, mm-hmm. uh, you can see our, our wide receivers really making a, a big impact in what this offense is like. And, of course, uh, you know, Audric Estime is – I, a, I, told, I told him, I saw him yesterday at practice. You know, he wears number seven. Right. And I said, you know, it's so nice to see a number seven on the offensive side of the ball for a change again. <laughs> because, remember, all, all of our defensive linemen now 
right. started wearing twos and threes and right. fives and yeah. sevens yeah. and yeah. nines. Yeah. And yeah. they sort of flipped everything around. So yeah. it's really nice to see a seven on offense for a change. Yeah. Of course, he fills it out a whole lot better than I ever did. <laughs> that seven <laughs> stretches that out a whole lot That seven goes a lot long. More, it's yeah. a bigger seven. <laughs> right. I do, and that is one of the things I don't like. I wish everybody had one number and they stay and they don't mix it. Where two sevens, two fours, two, uh, it's too confusing. Too confusing. Uh, you know, it's... I know Tom Brady talked about having trouble recognizing guys uh, because now defensive linemen, you know, or linebackers, everybody has different digits. There's still a big body in front of you. Coming after you, right? He's coming. No matter what, I never paid attention to the numbers, to be honest with you. It was the size of the individual that caught my attention. Um, when you were a quarterback at Notre Dame, did you call plays, or were those Tom Pagna and Eric Parsegian sent in? Or Eric, uh, Eric, Tom Pagna was the offensive right. coordinator. And, uh, oh, they got my, my bike finally arrived. <laughs> my motorcycle's here. They, See, they, they bring they... me in on a golf cart, take me out on a motorcycle. I like the way you do business. Hey, all I right. really it's like a thrill it. Ride. But I, uh, no, Eric called plays. You know, as people don't realize this. I, you had Peter Chivarelli on last week, and Peter's mm-hmm. a dear friend, was a classmate of mine. Uh, from 67 to 71, the 1970 Notre Dame football team, our offense, averaged more plays per game than anybody in the history of football. We averaged 93, almost 93 oh, plays wow. a game. That and escaped we, my research. And we huddled. Uh-huh. Yeah, Peter, you know, Peter's a plethora of information when yeah. it comes to what we did uh, back then. So, you know, Peter shared that with me. And I was as surprised as anyone. That, but yet, you know, it was such an efficient operation. Well, yeah. Tell me how that how that worked, because I don't remember him walking around having a we signal he, a board or anything cards. in his hand. So is everything in his mind? Uh, a lot of it. He signaled with a card, mm-hmm. but it was on it was on a small card, and uh, you know it was uh, the way we used to do it is if the card was horizontal, it was going to be some type of a running play. If it was vertical, All it right. would be some type of a pass play. So as soon as I saw the card, I had an idea, you know, what category I was mm-hmm. working in. It's it's not it's a little bit different than we see like in. The way they do it today, they have three <laughs> people on the sidelines. Somebody signaling in a formation. Some everybody's looking at they the got, sideline. They got red, they got red boards, red boards, boards. Yeah. You know, they got all kinds of stuff up there. Everybody's everybody's signaling something. This right. was just one coach, mm-hmm. and of course, at the professional level, we have the uh, earphones, the headphones uh, in the helmets, mm-hmm. which to me confused the issue because now all of a sudden, coaches have every possible play at their disposal. And the volume of information has gotten so big. And that's why you see, for example, the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. the San Francisco 49ers, two teams specifically that run a West Coast offense. Um, the verbiage is so long that sometimes you see them run down the play clock to where they get a delay a game right. penalty. And it's only because of the explanation that they have to give in the huddle. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh it, it's, it, it runs anywhere between, sometimes between 15 and 20 characters. Mm-hmm. Characters and numbers. Names, characters, and numbers. I mean, you're just you're rattling things off as you go. Yeah, just the the, the wristband that you know. It's oh, got I, three, four, five pages yeah. sometimes. I looked yeah. at Sam's wristband yesterday. and Said, I know I couldn't play today. Yeah. Because you ever see that commercial with Dan yeah. Marino now? Yeah. Where he puts yes. the glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, let me tell you, that's true. Yeah. Okay. That's a great commercial. That is that is the truth. All right. <laughs> I mean, they, I see how how you, how do you see anything? Yeah. You know, in that kind. Of, but evidently, you know, young eyes work. I guess mine did at one time. We always talk about error. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Excuse me. Remember, we're right. We're in Eddie Street Commons across from Five Guys between Brew Burger and Urban Outfitters. Pardon me. Um, we always talk about error, and I want to talk about that. But talk about Tom Pagna. I don't think he gets his just due sometimes. And no. I, I knew him pretty good, and I went, I, his daughter and I went to school together. I, I had the good fortune in my career, uh, and it started really with Tom. 
uh, to play for some incredible offensive coordinators. People that understood the quarterback position and taught me how to play the quarterback position. Tom was one of them. And to be honest with you, when, when, era, when era left and Tom didn't get the head coaching job, it broke his heart. It sure did. They really yeah. did. I, I, and so there was a decision the university made, obviously, but I know how it affected Tom. I think he went on coach with Kansas City for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he was, he was – every coach I've worked with that has coached the position of quarterback stressed one thing, and that was details. <clears throat> you, have to, you have to prepare. You know, we're not going to leave any detail – Aside, We're not going to leave any stone unturned as we prepare for a football team. Now, we may not use a lot of what we're going to have, but we're going to have it in case we need it. It was always the what-if what scenario. And Tom was the first one that really emphasized that to me. And then went on ahead when I played in the uh, Canadian League. Um, a guy by the name of Greg Barton put the offense in. Greg was a, a teammate of mine. We were oh, all okay. on the team together, so we sort of worked together on that. And then when I went with Washington, Teddy Marchabroda, who became a head coach of the Colts, uh, was my first coordinator. Joe Walton really taught me how to play at the at the uh, NFL level. Uh, he taught me so much about drops and discipline and reading and, and reading defenses. And then when I had the good fortune to work with Coach Gibbs and Dan Henning, who was the coordinator, uh, the coach of the quarterbacks there, it sort of they took my skills and fitted into a system as well as John Riggins and Art Monks and some of the other guys who were there. That's Joe Theismann. I'm Tim Growl with Jim Arizari. Um Talk about the did. Going to Toronto playing the CFL, do you think was a good route to do better in the NFL or in looking back at that? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm not, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not a rear view mirror guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of a head, uh, front uh, windshield guy. I like to see what's gotcha. out in front of me. But I, yeah, I think you have to reflect back sometimes on the experiences that you have of places you've been and learn from them. The, re- the reason why I think Canada was so beneficial to me is instead of standing on the sidelines and watching someone else work for a period of time, you get a chance to get out and actually work the, work the job. Mm-hmm. You manage two-minute drills. You learn how to uh, call plays. You, you learn pressure situations. All those things are a, pre- are a part of a football game that when you're on the sidelines, you don't get the same feel for. Sure. So it, I think it accelerated... Um, my ability to come back to the NFL, even though I didn't play for four years. I spent my first two years as a punt returner. And see, I spent my first seven games here at Notre Dame as a sophomore as a punt I returner. I remember. Bob Gladio and I were the punt returners here. Yeah. I just, I just love the game of – I just love football. I love being a part of any way I could, way, shape, or form, a part of the game. I just absolutely loved it. I love being out on the field. Part of uh, your repertoire is, is running, escaping. Having the extra large field that in CFL make any difference when you adjusted to go into the NFL? A little bit, except there was only three downs. So, yeah. Ah, I forgot you know, that, too. Yeah. Fear's a great motivator. <laughs> it really is. You know, you can run scared really fast. But I had, uh, I, I, I think it helped a little bit. The ball was a little bit different at that time. I don't know if the ball is the same size. That was a little bit longer. I mean, you know, the field's bigger. Obviously, it's a 55-yard line. The end zones are 25 yards deep. You know, the field's basically 160 yards long mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit wider. I, I think it actually helped me strengthen my arm a little bit because um, I was a skinny little kid. When I came, I, when I came here, I was 152 pounds. Yeah. When I left, I was you were, once. You were prime for baseball. I was. That's I was right. ready, yeah. They actually, they were, I was one of 13 quarterbacks when I came to the university. Put my glasses on. There we Third, go. Now you I can were, see. I was one of 13 quarterbacks when I came to the university. And what happened back in that time frame, 60s, uh, the latter part of the 60s, they recruited athletes. 
So what you wound up with was you had, you know, great quarterbacks, great athletes coming from different high schools. And when they got to the University of Notre Dame, some of them became defensive backs. Some of them became wide receivers. Some of them became linebackers. Some became tight ends. I was such a skinny little kid, they couldn't do anything with me but let me play quarterback. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I really I played 15 years of professional football, never weighed more than 185 pounds. So there's the, there's the hint. Yeah. Just stay skinny. <laughs> was was Tom Creevy in one of those thirteen? Uh, I don't. I think Tom came after me a little. Okay, because he, he ended up became a defensive end. That's exactly he went, right. He went from quarterback to a defensive that's end. That's right. And yeah. That's like that. That boggles my mind that that happened. But that's see that they recruited uh, differently than they do today. Today, today everybody recruits specifically. Right. right. Matter of fact, we started to do that towards the end. Uh, back in the back about 70 Clarence Ellis was a defensive back that they actually recruited as a defensive back but he caught a, a pass in the Cotton Bowl game as a receiver correct That's changed right. jerseys yeah. yeah I can remember I can remember that <laughs> very good I'm not too old way sometimes. to go Tim yeah sometimes hey we're gonna be right back gotta pay the sponsors uh, back on the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show and we'll be right back with Joe on Sports Radio 960 WSBT this is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show live from the center of Eddy Street Commons right across from five guys right next to or between Urban Outfitters and the Brew Burger. It's a beautiful day, and it's a day that's just going to carry into a beautiful night for the game tonight, and this will carry into a beautiful win, so I'm not asking too much. No. No, this okay. is all fun. Your whole life is beautiful, too. Yeah, yeah I thought it was one beautiful <laughs> life. That's yeah. all I can tell you. Yeah, did you meet my wife, my beautiful wife? I, I think I have. She's, yeah, she's around here somewhere. Yeah, I saw her. I got to make you, sure. You out anyway. You outkicked your coverage. I just want you to know that. I, I, I know that. I know that. I'm out of my league. We're with former Fighting Irish, two-time NFL Pro Bowler, two-time CFL All-Star, 1982 NFL Man of the Year, 1983 NFL Most Valuable Player, quarterback, Joe Theismann. Oh, oh my gosh. And I forgot. An NFL punt re- a punter, too. Punter. That's right. That's like, I am a record holder. Yep. I, now let's tell our audience about that. I think we talked about it maybe a couple of years ago, but it's such a good story. And you say, you, I set you up, Joe, and you tell a story. Right? All right. So okay. uh, it's 1985, third game of the season. We've got a 10-point lead on the Chicago Bears in Soldiers Field. Um, we'd kick the ball away from Willie Galt three times, fastest <laughs> man in football at that time. Right. Smart move. Now we decide we're going to kick the ball to Willie. Tim, not such a smart move. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we kick the ball to Willie, and he runs it back for a touchdown. But the guy that kicks off for us is also our punter, a guy by the name of Jeff Hayes. So Jeff tears a thigh muscle. We don't have oh. a punter. Oh. Touchdown and no. a thigh muscle tear. That's bad. Yeah, not, not good. <laughs> so now I'm standing on the sidelines, and Coach Gibbs goes, we don't have a punter. I said, I can punt. He said, you can what? I said, I can punt. <laughs> How hard can it be? You drop the ball, you raise your foot, and it goes that way, man, no problem. <laughs> he says, fine. Next what, time, what's the rest of the team looking at you like? No, no, uh, this is just a personal conversation oh, with okay. Coach and I because they're out on the field. So I said, I can punt. <laughs> and uh, Jay Schrader, the other, our other quarterback, Jay, is standing there going, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so um, I walked up there, and I said, hey, or up, up to uh, Coach Gibbs. I said, I can punt. He says, fine, next time we punch, you punt. So I go running on the field. Now I'm I'm no longer Joe Theismann quarterback, man. I've got I've got visions of Ray Guy in my mind, arms <laughs> spread wide, leg up in the air. Danny White was the quarterback of the Dallas oh, Cowboys. Right. He Just was the, the punter. Yeah, he was, he was a punter. So I'm thinking I can do this. Yeah. So we get on the field, get the ball on the 13 yard line, run a running play, game two yards, second down and eight from the 15. I look to the sidelines and coach is signaling in a pass. I'm going great. Chances are we're not going to complete this because I have a personal relationship with the punter. Right. Drop back, pick out a kid in the third row, into the stands. Third and eight, 
Wants me to throw again. I bounce this one into the ground. Fourth and eight. Guess we have to punt. <laughs> Offense runs off the field. Kicking team runs on. My teammates are going, hey, Joe, kick it right. Kick it right. I'm going, I got it. No problem. I'm, we break the huddle. I'm on the goal line in Soldiers Field. Ball's in a 15-yard line. I'm looking up going, Mom, look at me. I'm a punter in the National Football League. How great is this? So all of a sudden, I call for the snap. And have you ever had your world go into slow motion? Yes. The instant yes. that ball touched my hand. The roar of the crowd just became a muffled, <laughs> and I'm thinking, kick the ball right. Drop the ball, raise my foot. Pow! It flew off my foot. I thought it was a cannon going off. It went 16 yards. <laughs> I'm back 15. So I, I saw it go over the bear bench. So I jog over. All of a sudden, six Chicago Bears come up to me. Way to go, Joe. Can't wait for you to kick it again. Go get it, Thanks, Joe. Needless to say, I retired with a one-yard average. At that time, I held the record for the shortest punt in the history of the National Football League. Shortly after that, I don't know how many years, Sean Landetta, who putted for the Giants, a good friend of mine, same place on the field in Soldier's Field. I swear he missed the ball, but they claim that he touched it, and he wound up with a oh, minus yeah, six. Oh, right. and, yeah. and I yeah. don't rec- I do not acknowledge that. <laughs> you not, got to keep the I record. I am the worst punter in the history of the <laughs> National Football. I'm not going to let Sean take that away from me. But he rocked the single bar face mask better than anyone. Yeah, I know. So my, my dentists love those. Right. <laughs> so dare say you're a little more su- successful returning punts. That yeah, you I were kicking it, punt. Yeah, I won <laughs> 74 and 75. I returned it because really I was able to do it uh, here at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And I, gosh knows how I even wound up on the field doing that. Uh, and then, you know, I went from punt returner to starting quarterback in the span of a, a snap of a finger when Terry got hurt. Right. And then all of a sudden, wow. Era, Era put me in. He had Coley O'Brien, won a national championship with Coley in 66. He had Bob Belden, who was a senior, both of them seniors. Terry mm-hmm. was a senior, and I was a sophomore. And so all of a sudden he puts me in. And it wasn't until his 90th birthday, uh, about five, six years ago, I guess it was, I sat down in front of Era, and it was, I have a picture. I'm actually kneeling down in front of Era, talking to him as he sits in a mm-hmm. chair. Because you know, to me it was a papal visit, to be honest with you. That's how much I, I, I admired the man. Um, and I asked him, I said, why me? You know, why, why did you put me in as the quarterback? You had other options there were three games left in the season and you know we were really doing well he said i just felt like you were ready and i thought you know thank you that's all i could say to era forever was thank you but he was he scared the living daylights out of me man when i got noticed <laughs> hey coach wants to see i'm going ah oh, what did i do you know you know when you you, you get inquired by your partner or spouse yeah you know, hey what do you do? I say, oh, God, we're going to have a conversation about questions now. Well, this is no. going to go on. But I, you. I, you know, but all I, wanted, all I wanted to do was know how my grades were going, how my mom and dad were, and, and that was it. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So did you ever hear the voice from God, as players have told me, from high atop his oh, perch? Oh, heck yeah. Call Joe out? Oh, heck yeah. He, he would stand up there. It's really funny. Uh, we had, the, we had the, about, about, about 10 feet high, maybe a little bit more. He, he was in a – because he could have offense on one side of the field, defense on the other, and he could watch both from his from his pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I ran a play, and I know I ran it wrong. I, had, I, went, I turned the wrong way. And I looked – I glanced up real quick, and he wasn't looking. He was looking at the defense. I'm thinking, whoo, dodge the bullet. <laughs> All of a sudden I get in the huddle, I break the huddle, I start to line the scrimmage. She says, Joe, don't do that again. I'm thinking, how do you know? <laughs> Who told him? How do you know these things? <laughs> No, yeah. You know, I, I knew he had that, uh, that that perch or whatever whatever you want to call it, but until last week when Peter told me whenever it had to be moved, 
the football team had to go over there oh, yeah. and push the truck. The scaffolding, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, you know, yeah. I think that, that it was something. That's great. Was that part of the workout plan, or uh? it was theirs, not mine? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're with uh, Joe Theismann down here in Eddy Street Commons, across from Five Guys. Uh, stop by, say hi as you as you walk by or take in the show. Um, I'm gonna tell you something about Arrow that that, that I want you to. You knew him a lot better than I did. So he was on his last show with us. I think he was 92. I had him on a USC show. It was on the phone. And somehow we got talking about the 64 game that was kind of stolen away. He knew, still knew the official's name. He knew the play that was called. He knew what players they thought did the violation. Joe, he was at 92. He was so adamant and adamant. And I said something, Coach, man, you're still worked up. 60 years later, he goes, why not, Tim? <laughs> right. uh, you know, you know, Tim. It's really funny. I I attended um, we Holtz's Heroes breakfast this morning for, with Lou, and Lou was there. We had a chance to visit a little bit, and to listen to Coach Holtz recall when he was at Kent State. Uh, recall the it was it's, we're honoring at this game the 1988 national champions. Right. So a bunch of them were there, and uh, to listen to Lou recall so much of what happened in every instance of his life was absolutely incredible. And I think, I just swear coaches are wired that way. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, you know, there are people who have recall. I mean, I talked to a lot, I love to play golf. I talked to a lot of professional golfers and they can tell you what shot they hit, what mm -hmm. club they, you know, what the ball did, why it did what it did, what the club they used, landed, yeah. where it landed, how it affected the, they, they, you know, they do that too. But coaches seem to have that ability to recall that moment. Yeah, we in football too. I mean, I. It's funny. I recall more of the mistakes that I made than the good things. Uh, it's like the good things you sort of accept. Okay, yeah, it worked out fine. But then you start to analyze those things that didn't go well, and you could have done them better. That maybe would have changed the outcome of the game. I know you don't like to go past, but is there anything in particular, any particular play or game that you felt that you should have done something differently, played better in? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Super Bowl 18. Okay. <laughs> I threw an interception just before the half. We were down 14-3, and I threw an interception. A guy named Jack Squirek intercepted it. And we were down 21-3 at halftime to the, uh, at that time, they were the Los Angeles Raiders. And uh, I'd love to have that one back. Believe Marcus me. Allen game, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, you know yeah. Yeah, Mar yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny, Marcus and I are dear, dear friends. I, did, I don't have my Super Bowl rings on this trip, but, you know, he'll have his on, I'll have mine on, and he'll sort of reach up and scratch his, scratch his <laughs> I said, put your hand down. <laughs> We're always at each other. So what, what do you think? And I love going back and forth, and I think you do too. So what do you think Marcus brings to the program? I, I, think, I think the first thing I noticed was the affection and appreciation of the players for him. And... I saw that in the locker room the day that it was announced that he became the head coach mm -hmm. and the enthusiasm and the energy that the players yeah. showed at that moment told me everything I needed to know about the way he worked with the guys. And since then, I, his relationship, I mean, yesterday he's out, you know, he, he's out playing wiffle ball. You know, he's a center <laughs> fielder in wiffle ball. With the, I mean, he, is, he's, he has a way of appealing to the athlete that makes them think about wanting to be as great as they could be. I think culture is so very important. And he, he's, you know, he's created a culture of, of success. You look at our football teams. It started last year. 
you know, there was an element missing. We didn't have the dynamics of a quarterback that we have now. There's no, you know, there's no way of getting around that. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's changed, and I, I, he's got the guys believing they can run through walls, and that that's a very rare talent that, you know, you, you can do that with a coach, and and this is why you see college coaches struggle so much at the professional level because you don't get them for. 10, 12 weeks. You get them right. for 17 plus training camp and all that other time. And so it, it can't be the same story. And here you've got, you know, your classes change. You've got your freshmen and your sophomores and your juniors and, you know, some guys stay to a fifth year, but then you've got this replenishment. And it's not that you repeat the same thing, but it's, a, it's sort of the same story just couched in a different way. Uh, I think they respect the living daylights out of him. I think he understands them. Uh, he holds them accountable for their actions. Uh, and I think one of the most important things is that the athletes have to hold each other accountable. And, and that way, you know, it, 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 you want to you say, well, it makes the coach's job easier. No, the coach, the coach has to establish the, the environment to be able to have the culture be exactly what they need for their players to take over. We ran our locker room when I played. I saw Coach Gibbs. I played for Coach Gibbs for six years. I saw him come through my locker room five times. Five times he walked, and you had to go from the coaches. He went through the equipment room out to the uh, practice facility. But he, it, it, that, was our, that was our house. That was our, we took care of the problems if there were any. You know, we, were, we just took care of everything inside our house. And I, I see Marcus, with the leadership that we have and the captains that are on this football team, I see that same thing. I see that. I see that, that. If there's an issue, they they handle it. Coach is there. They meet with the coach. They explain it. But you know, it's up to the players to figure out how to handle it. Being captain at Notre Dame is an important is an important thing. And also, sometimes they'll run through a wall for you. So maybe this guy ran through a wall for you. Who's that? Oh, John. How are you? My goodness. How are you? I thought we'd just bring somebody along for good heavens. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Good to see you. You can put the microphone up your mouth. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, Obviously, this guy's not in television. That's like, <laughs> no. I, I have a face made for radio. <laughs> John's nice enough when uh, when I'm short guests during the show. He's here locally, and he'll come over that's when somebody great. show up. Yeah, so. That's good to see you. It's wonderful. But you always tell stories. I thought maybe we could find somebody that could maybe tell a story about you, and we'll see if you've got the same version oh, yeah. that he does. I'm curious. Well, I thought about that, and my first story is when I had been a starter for 15 seconds. I was one of the young players coming up, and Joe was a senior quarter was the senior quarterback. I'm scared out of my mind. He looks at me in the huddle and says, "Relax. You get to do what you want to do in front of 60,000 people." <laughs> and I was able to relax. I mean, he he had been there, but I had sure. sure. And it's, it's different. It's 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 different. And um, a lot of guys can't. A lot of guys can't. They don't necessarily have the ability to translate what they do in the practice field when they step on the field. It's it it, it shouldn't change for you to be successful, but it does. And anybody tells you that they don't feel the emotions, <clears throat> like a, like a game tonight. If they don't feel the emotions, they're not alive. Yeah. They're, they're not, not alive. telling the truth. They're not alive. There's something going on somewhere. Maybe different levels for different people, yeah. but there's something going on. I was also listening to your, your story about uh, the coaches. And, and my father got really involved in the recruiting, like a lot of people did. And uh, dad was a heart surgeon. 
And uh, he said to me, he said, would you like to know the difference between a head football coach at a major university and the chief of surgery at a big teaching hospital? I said, sure, why not? Yeah. He said, about 20 pounds. The coaches are bigger. They have that it yeah. that you were talking about. Sure. You, you know, it, that's why they become CEOs of a major thing. Now, I wrote the, wrote the book I wrote called How to Be a Champion Every Day is based upon the premise that the world of sports, the world of business, and our own lives all parallel one another. Absolutely. And I think foundationally, everything that we learn in sports carries over to the other two elements of your life. I talk about goals. Talk about attitude, talk about opportunity, talk about motivation, talk about teamwork, talk about trust. I mean, all those, all those are a part of, of our lives in a relationship with our families. They're a part of our life in business and certainly a foundation of, of sports. Absolutely. That was a great example your dad gave. If you guys are okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Is that okay? No, we want to go. All right. Well, I'm the, quarter, I'm the quarterback just, I was just going to say, why did you even ask? <laughs> and we'll be back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT for the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. Stay there. Play, but no, we're going to talk some more right here on the Legacy Heat Air Game Day show. We are right across from Five Guys Burgers and next to the Brew Burger and Urban Outfitter right between there. It's a beautiful day out. Like I said at the beginning, it's uh, red versus green. So we hope there's a green out. The stadium directors have taken big steps to try to make sure that the red is spread around. The 5,000 allotment they gave out, not together, they spread them all over the stadium. But don't they're resor don't they they're resourceful, so... <laughs> I think, don't they have some bracelets? Yes. We have some yeah, kind of bracelets. Yeah. The, LED, the LED bracelets, and so... going to be a big light if, show. If, yeah, well, but I'm saying if, if, like, it's a first down or something, it goes green. I don't know. There's some <laughs> something going on with the LED lights that I have no idea. That's Joe Theismann. You all know him, and he's with uh, his fellow teammate who was a 1972 All-American, uh, John Dampier. I always talk about this with John about every two years, so he might get tired of hearing it, but we'll talk about it. John, what did you become an All-American at offensive guard, right? I wasn't actually a tackle. A tackle okay. I, I, I came up here as a defensive end and a, and a guard and moved out to tackle. And as Joe said, Eric, one of his big skills was moving people around. Walt Potolsky, mm, yes. last guy drafted number one, yeah. came here as a fullback. Okay. And so, but they get to, they move around. And yeah. so they just find, they, they get the athlete. They, they put him in, and, he, and they, put him in the right spot. And they figure out what the athlete can do, mm -hmm. and then they develop him that way. You know. Right. And, and then Era had to, the capacity to use everybody's individual skill. He actually put in, because I was a pulling guard in high school, he put in a play where I pulled out and kicked out, and it was a one-man screen for Gatewood. Joe would see that there was single coverage. He would call this play. I would go kick out, and Tom would just step inside me and he's off to the races. Yeah, we did the same thing when I played in Washington. I had uh, Joe Jacoby and Russ Grimm on my left side. Oh, wow. And George Stark and Mark May on my right side. Uh, you know, people sooner or later figured it out, but they did all the pulling. You know, they just, uh, we just, if we, were, if we were going outside right, 
two big guys would go that go. way. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the things I'm really excited about about this new team. I've seen Alt pull, and he pulled extraordinarily well. Everybody knows he's a great athlete, but if, if you really want to see somebody play the position, watch this kid. Joe Alt? Yeah. 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 Well, they, I mean, we got we got people coming back too. Bertrand's back, Brown's back, Evans back. Mm-hmm. Which, so I mean, we get some people back for this one too. What about the size and the and the and the quickness of them? The point was that at a tackle, what did you weigh as an offensive All American? <laughs> I weighed about two fifty. At the end of two days, freshman year, as an offensive guard, I weighed two hundred and twelve pounds. So now they weigh 312. So they yeah, put the, 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 quarter, the quarterbacks weigh 235. <laughs> and back then oh, yeah. they weighed 155. That's exactly what I was. Yeah. So, there were some that so, were bigger, but the bigger ones wound up doing something else. Exactly. That's, so I stayed skinny. Quick, I didn't realize I did I did the right thing. Quick, quick was, quickness was more important than uh, uh, size. Right. Yeah. That's, that's well. That's why I did return punts. When I it right. was, It's all about it's all about making the initial people miss, and then if they're running they're running that way and you're going the other way. You don't need to be that fast because they have to stop and turn around and try right, and get you. Right. But uh, I, I love that. What do you think about the, the kick returns these days where punting especially? Uh, we haven't had a punt returner probably since Tom Zemikowski that's been able to. They're trying to, what they're doing with the, I know the rules in the NFL is they're trying to eliminate kickoffs completely, yeah. um, which I, I think is one of the most exciting parts of the game yes. of football. Uh, they've turned it into you know two-man wedges. You can't have a, a full wedge. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for safety in our game. My question is, is at what point does football reach that the integrity of the game of football no longer exists? I mean, you, you, you know, I watched, I watched a game the other night. A, a defensive back got a targeting call on a running back. How do you, yeah. The running back is running. The, running back, the defensive back comes in to try and tackle the guy. The running back lowers his head to where the tackler is going to hit them and they call targeting yeah right. I, I just there's you know obviously we can find holes in a lot of different things but i think uh the certainly protecting players is a great idea sure but there has to be some degree of common sense when it comes to what is targeting and what is not got to be egregious as and, far I'll, as and i'll tell you something else too i watched that colorado colorado state game yeah oh the, that number 11 from colorado state yeah should have been thrown out of the game. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that through the NCAA, officials do not have the ability to be able to throw someone out of a game if they believe that the hit is egregious Mm -hmm. and detrimental to to an individual. Kid's got a lacerated liver last time I Gone for three games. He's the best, you know, besides the quarterback, Mm -hmm. he's the best player on the football team and considered one of the best players in the country. So, but anyway, it's, you know, it's, College football is still such a great thing. And there are people who just love college football and could care less about professional football and vice versa. I happen to love both of them. I love high school football. Let's look back a little bit. You both played in the 1970 Cotton Bowl. We did. After the 45-year ban. Yep. So how, how was that? I've heard stories of how Era presented that to the team. It came kind of like a choice. Well, I think that Joe would be able to tell that story much better than I because I was, I was really a, a first-year player at that time. In fact, I didn't get to play in the first Cotton Bowl because that was my redshirt year. I had broken my ankle early okay. in the year. So that's Joe's story. We had, uh, Eric gave us, Eric did give us an option. Uh, there, at that time, you could pick a game basically from, if you drew a straight line from South Bend to, let's say, Dallas, within a 50-mile area on either side of that line, you could pick a game. So we wound up going to play at Texas in the Cotton Bowl because obviously they were number one and 
you know, we weren't. So uh, we were knocking on the door. So we wanted a shot at him. And that was with Jimmy Street and uh, yeah, Cotton Spire and all those guys. So we come up with the Steve, mirror defense, Steve right? Steve Worcester, yes. You know, that's the genius of Vera. And, and uh, Coach Schultz, who was the defensive coordinator, uh, to be able to place the responsibility of each individual on one of our guys. You know, the tackles took care of Steve. They beat the living daylights out of him. But then one of the linebacker had the quarterback. The defensive back had the pitch guys. And so everybody had to make plays, and we wound up losing that one. Um, but they, we were given the option and the choice to be able to choose the game we wanted to play in. It had to be Texas because that's where they were ranked. Right. The second year, it was the same thing. There was a committee of about five of us that uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that had a chance to have input into what exactly you know, we were going to do as a, uh, a team to play in a bowl game, for, like you say, the first time in, in 45 years. It was an unbelievable experience. And uh, we beat him the second time. Beat him the second time, yep. Matter of fact, I hurt the ulnary nerve on my right hand. I hardly threw a pass in the second half. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, because, wow. I, because I had no feeling in the, my pinky finger, my ring finger on my right hand. Was that the game that Jim Bolger threw the pass yep. to Clarence Ellis? That's, that's when Jim's, that was, yes. Jim went in because I couldn't throw. Right. I got it hurt uh, midway towards the end of the second quarter. Yeah, Clarence Ellis, a defensive back, changed yeah. shirts, and he became yep. a wide receiver. That's and right. That was a long pass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in, in the 70 game, you threw a 54-yard touchdown pass, I think, to Tom Gatewood? Yep. Okay. Let me tell you, he was just here two weeks ago, and I, I was just floored by it. It was one of the best stories. He says he goes out before every game, and he looks over the whole field, checking the sprinkler heads, looking for crowns, anything. He saw an area that must have been – they put sand down because there was a lot uh, – it was raining the night before or the day before. He said he ran that play for that towards that sand. He never went into it, but his defender backed up into that sand – Lost his footing, didn't fall down, but Tom said I was 20 yards past him. That's how much – I hadn't heard any receiver tell me that. Something they go up before a game, and that's what they oh, look, yeah. look for and stuff. A lot, you know, a lot of times – I'm probably way behind on that. No, a lot of times what you do is, you know, I mean, people that, for example, from a footing standpoint, you want to you know if there's a, a hump anywhere. I used to hate to play at Giant Stadium. Giant Stadium had a six-inch uh, six crown on it. Mm -hmm. oh, and my wide receivers were five foot eight and five foot nine, so I was throwing the guys who were five two and five one. Right. Uh, as, but so you 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 know you have Thank to. You. It's important to understand all that stuff. And then the wind too, how they controlled the. Uh, oh yeah. The garage doors. Oh yeah. Trust me. Allegedly. No, <laughs> it's not alleged at all. <laughs> Phil Sims never threw into the wind in he Giant Stadium. I knew did. that for a fact. <laughs> Before a break, Johnny. Any story? Any? Yeah, the story I have is that uh, Joe Theismann still holds the record for no passing yardage in a single game, and that's when we played at USC, and that was monsoon, 53 right? years ago. It was yeah, raining, monsoon. and it was my yeah. 21st birthday. Oh, really? was it really? Happy birthday, birthday to John. You. You lose. Happy birthday, John. <laughs> I remember listening, listening to it on the radio, so I, I remember, and it was, they just kept saying how much they – the announcers couldn't even hardly see the field because it was raining so hard. Oh, it was just a it was it was a hard. How I, did you get a good? I never had a problem throwing a wet ball. Wow. Matter of fact, Coach Gibbs, many years later, his grand he asked me to work with his grandson, teach him how to throw a wet football. It's all about grip pressure. Um, but I was I was very fortunate. I just never ever had a problem. I used to practice. I used to take a bucket of water, and I would take about a half a dozen balls and I would stick them in the water, and I'd pick them up and start throwing them around. Just, it's like anything else. If you practice it enough, yeah. it becomes sure. second nature. But I never really had a problem throwing a wet ball around. Uh, matter of fact, as life would have it, we know how life runs in cycles, the offensive line coach at the University of Southern California in that game happened to be a guy by the name of Joe Gibbs. 
Oh, wow. And That's so, something I didn't know. Wow, yeah. does that come back around? Joe was, uh, Joe was the OC guys. there. So. <laughs> All right, we got uh, we got to real quick go we'll take another another break uh, before the top of the hour here. So we'll be back on the Legacy Heat Air Game Day Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hello, football fans in Rugco Studio and Gift Shop welcomes you to Michiana. And while you visit, take the time to explore. South Bend and Mishawaka have so much to offer. Sure, you want to tour the campus and experience game day, but but why not take the time to check out the area's many other hidden treasures? one of which is in Rugco. The store is only a 14-minute drive from campus. That's 5.3 miles, but hey, who's counting? In Rugco is no cookie-cutter shop. It's a hometown gift shop with a bakery inside, full of things Michiana, celebrating our local heritage like nowhere else. Now at In Rugco, you'll find locally-themed t-shirts and sweatshirts, plus quality fall clothing for both men and women featuring Kavu and Cool. They have handmade aprons, pillows, and area rugs, along with fall decorations for indoors and outdoors on their back patio, including unique items for Halloween. Come see for yourself. Visit in Rugco Studio and Gift Shop, 220 East Mishawaka Avenue in Mishawaka, open Tuesday through Saturday, or anytime at indianarugco.com. Fiddler's Hearth in downtown South Bend, a great place to watch the game. You saw them today on ESPN's Game Day Twice, chosen as the guest chef of the show. Come see for yourself why. An authentic Irish pub with perfect pints and a fan favorite menu. Fiddler's Hearth on North Main Street. A bucket list stop for sure. Fiddler's Hearth in South Bend. Go Irish! The first step to doing anything is believing you can. So instead of saying if, try saying when. When you build a house, when you finish the degree, when you write the book, Run the race, retire early. When you realize, confidence changes everything. Teachers Credit Union is now Everwise. A new name, the same people powering even more dreams. I'm off. Yeah. I'm off. Chris says I, Chris always says I have terrible rhythm, but I'm always, you know, she's never go on the air, and here I am. But I'm not here, singing. Here we are clapping. That's right. That's right. Hey, we're Trying down to here. Do so in rhythm doesn't work. It's a legacy hitting and air game day show. We're having a lot of fun down here, and a lot of people have been too. We're across from five guys between Urban Outfitters and the Brew Burger Bar, and I say that every week. Uh, but uh, before I go out and do any tailgating, I learned from last week I better go eat something first. Yeah, yeah it's that's, a long that, time. That, that's, that's usually the route I take. Yeah, and, uh, yeah if I s- don't, uh-uh, no, not happening. I actually went to a game, which I don't go. People are always saying, oh, with the show, whatever, you go to games all the time. I think that was only my sixth or seventh game I've ever been to. But uh, we were up in the uh, newer section, and it was only 70-some degrees. But, man, it got really hot. Yeah. Really hot yeah. out there. But, anyway, good experience. Everybody going to the game tonight is going to be under the lights by the 9 o'clock. You're going to get green bands what do they mm-hmm. call them the uh, wristbands the wristbands, led wristbands led they're gonna do a show timed with the scoreboard and all the stadium lights it's supposed yep. to be uh, pretty cool and plus it'll be all the green and it'll leave all the red out they don't they won't they'll just have to sit there and watch yeah and stuff too hey we hopefully think, the play on the field does make them that's do the right same thing, that's so. right 
And we're going to talk about that with our, our next guest. Well, first of all, personally, again, thank Joe Theismann for t being with us and spending all that time. It's always great catching up with them uh, by phone or in person, but I'll, I will take in person more so than, than, than the phone. So yeah. uh, uh, to remind everybody, he was in town today, not only for the game and supporting the, uh, the Fighting Irish. He has a book, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. You can find it at, at any bookstore and it's available at the Hamas bookstore in particular. That's where he was doing his signing today. You should get it. You know, don't have to be a sports fan to get this book. And you don't just have to be a business fan to get this book. It's a mixture of sports and business, too. We could have used this book last week at, uh, at our conference, couldn't we? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Good suggestion next time. Right. Now you got to do is get him to speak at it, too. There there's, you go. there's the catch. There you go. <laughs> there's there you the go. catch. <laughs> hey, we, we, we caught up with, and uh, before, while Joe was still here, and I wanted to surprise Joe with a former player, a teammate of his, and that was John Dampier, a great uh, uh, friend of the show and a friend of mine. He always bails me out when things happen, and now we're, we lost um, one of our guests at 3 o'clock. And, folks, you know, if you listen to the show before, it's live radio. So that just happens. They get tied up doing something else, and you never know. Just like John, he popped in here, and, you know, and, and we'll see. So, John, um, you had another story that you wanted nice to. Sorry, catch. it's getting windy down here, folks. I just made a daring and I make a catch. I, I'm going to play for the Irish. John. <laughs> I got to play for three years, and the first year was with Joe. So I'm I'm a rookie that year, and it was a very sophisticated offense. Freshman couldn't play back then. Or back then, so not yeah. then. Okay. And I had broken my ankle and missed my sophomore year, so I'm a junior. Uh, but my first year of playing, and we were really uh, experienced, and I was like the only rookie on the offense. But Joe was such a great leader, and that story I told about him saying, "Hey, just relax and have fun." just set the tone and he, and he and he was like that but some people don't realize he still i think he still has the passing record for a single game 526 yards in one game tell everybody in what conditions that was oh that. and it was it, the, the rain it uh <laughs> you, it was a monsoon is what you felt like you could drown yeah. you really did you get, you get at the bottom of one of those piles and there was four inches of, of Mm -hmm. of water some places on that field that was, that was the, the LA, field, yeah. LA Coliseum it's a terrible uh, venue uh, because they play so many games yeah. there you know if yeah. they had ESPN favorite plays of the year you know at the year they give them rewards awards for the top 10 plays of the year that that would have been up there for that that was epic I mean absolutely absolutely it was but then the other thing is that season we averaged 500 and 10 yards in offense. Well, that's no big deal. I mean, that's a lot, but it's yeah. not a big deal. But we averaged 258 passing and 252 running. We were over 250 yards. Pretty balanced. In yeah, that's what, and that's what everyone wanted. So he wanted that. And so we knew that we could convert on a first town. Joe would get us there somehow. So that leadership was was just absolutely terrific. And very sophisticated offense with the senior leadership. So that's one of the things he's talking about with, with Hartman is it's hard to learn all those things in 10 games. So that you have to have the experience. To and do he it. was from the shotgun, which is a lot. Exactly. It doesn't seem like it would be a lot different, but it is. It is a lot different. And then so fast forward two years later, now I'm a senior mm -hmm. and I'm playing with a first-year quarterback who was – all world it was tommy clements mm -hmm. the year before he won his national championship mm -hmm. but the offense is not as sophisticated they they just there's a lot to learn mm -hmm. in, in the quarterback position and it everybody knows it's absolutely true 
it's the most critical position to win football games. You've got to have a quarterback. The hardest position in all of sports. Yeah, right? and I think yeah. quarterback, so. and I think Clement sometimes doesn't get his just due because oh. he had modest statistics, but he was a manager manager of the game, and he, you know, that pressure like on that play at the end of the uh, Sugar Bowl game when he drops back. And, and finds his second or third, I think, choice, yeah. Robin Weber. Threw it to Weber instead of Casper, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you were playing, did they um, – did the center call the, like they do nowadays? Well, it, the, yes, uh, they did, and, and, that's what they're, and that's what they're talking about now. So we, our, our tackles are experienced, our, our center is experienced, and the two guards in the middle. So they have to coordinate, and the fact they're doing a good job, but we'll know today – whether our offensive line is for real. I, I'm hopeful that it is. Uh, the, the tackles are really, really strong. Yeah. Uh, but it's in, in the offensive line play, it's offensive tackle is the second most technical position to learn other than quarterback because there's so many different things. You can be you have to pull way back to get a defensive end, or you can go down and help the guard. And so you're ranging a long way, and it's a very – difficult position to learn and so it takes a lot of experience so i don't know if i've ever asked you this before and i ask it to almost every guest but i don't know about you how do you when you watch a game are you in that offensive position and you can't you can't just enjoy the whole scope of it you're looking at oh that guy's pulling or this or that i still to this day (laughs) key off the tackles to to see what they're going to do to see where they're going and so yeah i know even to this day i'll key off the tackles and and watch them for the first millisecond to to then see where I think the play is going. Yeah, once that's, once a football player, that, always a football that's, player. You know, it's, it's the way you were. It was you, that you watched it so much. You saw it so many times on film. It was really important. So, do you like to watch a game these days with somebody, or do you like to be by yourself? Like I think Alan Rossum has to have the doors locked. <laughs> it's in his own, or Mike Golick, own who, Mike Golick was throwing the, the the remote at the TV before. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty flexible. I can uh, I can uh, do it either way. So, so put on that cap and and maybe be a little critical. I'll ask you what do you see in the offensive line that you like, and then I'll ask you where we need to tune it up. I think uh, we will find out today if we are physical enough. It's a uh, offensive line play is a is is a you've got to be you have to be strong and you've got to be able to move people out and so you've got to, that initial when they hit which way are they going are they going forwards or backwards and, and real we'll quick before I on that today on the game day show on ESPN or whatever they had an expert on and he had analyzes Ohio State's losses. And most of the losses in big games have been against teams that are really physical. Yeah. Last year, Notre Dame's team wasn't as physical. Everybody says this year's team, and what we've seen seems like that. So you'd agree with that? I totally agree with that, yeah. and I think it's, it's, it's critical. And you don't see from high school, college, and the pros, you don't see a team have a, a lot of success unless they're tough tackle-to-tackle tackle and defensive end to down in the guard. So, yeah, those positions are critical yeah Ohio State doesn't like to get uh, pushed around no they don't They really don't somebody and needs to and that needs to be us today yeah yeah this and, and and that's where it, that's where it that's where it gets technical because mm-hmm. to get people moving the guards got to help the, uh, the the tackle the tackle helps the guard they get them going and then they have to go off and get yeah. the linebacker so but to get one guy moving backwards it usually takes two on one to get it going so 
This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. That's John Dampier, a former Notre Dame uh, 1972 captain and All-American. I'm with Jim Arizari, and I'm Tim Growl. Matt Embry is in the studio, so we thank him for everything he's doing. I think Brian Miller's uh, here catching a little uh, uh, Coca breath. Breath. Breathe, buddy. <sighs> he was at the game, calling the game last night, where Mishawaka trounced Warsaw last night. So Mishawaka now takes over the conference first place all right all right um you keep contact with a lot of former players john i do i you know and, and i'll tell you what they started a tradition um a, a few years ago where they invite all the former players back on the night before Chivarelli's lounge mm-hmm. is is a really good thing and uh uh, Coach Freeman has accelerated a lot, getting the former players to come back and interact with the current players. So between those two, I see a, a lot of a lot of players. It's it's a lot of fun to get together with them. Yeah, he uh, Tom uh, Gatewood was telling us that uh, wasn't that long ago, they brought in all these former players that were also business people in the fact and let the players come around and talk to them. And Sam Hartman came up to him because he wants to get into broadcasting. And talk to Tom about how to do that. I think I don't. That's I don't think that's ever been done before. It, it isn't, and it is a great thing. And and so uh, Coach Freeman has really bought into the fact that this is not a four-year deal; it's a forty-year deal. And and he's he's selling it, but he's selling it because he believes it, and it is true. I mean, yeah. so for instance, this weekend uh, I'm getting together with my three college roommates. I've been doing this for twenty-four years, and we this this whole weekend. And <laughs> when when I host, we see a game live. If we're out of town, we'll watch a Notre Dame game on TV. and um, That's not Steve Sylvester, is no, it? No, no, that's not Steve. Steve <laughs> okay. Steve's a little younger than I okay, am. Okay, Steve and I have been talking like for three days, and he was going to be on, then not, and then he asked if I could get somebody else for him because he's got his dorm in there. Okay, yeah. And, 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 and Notre Dame, and, and that's one of the reasons I'm here yeah. is because Notre Dame – didn't have an athletic dorm. Yes, I was going to. Yeah. Right. You went out right. into the into the into the into the campus, and so. And how important part, is that? Oh, it's it's hugely important. It's 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 important academically, and it's mm-hmm. important socially, um, and you develop those lifelong friends. And, and and that's you know not to say guys who were uh, athletes and they they room together don't develop those same things, but it's it's not the same it's it's a great experience it's hugely important well it seems like marcus has made some really big decisions that are really good you talk about all the players you know meeting like that um bringing the alumni back together we talked we've talked about it on the air now because I'll be honest with brian kelly that didn't happen very much and there was a lot of hurt feelings over that and people would tell me off the air about it but obviously we didn't want to say anything on the air but he's not the coach here now but how important and was that to all of you as a alumni that all of a sudden this this guy who's a first year coach, you know, gets promoted from defense to a uh, head coach at Notre Dame, reaches out to all the uh, and not just to do things one time a year. He's got like multiple things. No, that he does. It, it's it's been it's been really terrific. He got very actively involved. He, I had celebrated my 50th anniversary last year, and he got he came over and spoke to. Uh, the players and their wives. It was wow, it was yeah. a terrific it was a terrific experience, uh, and I've made a pledge to myself uh, to never say anything negative on the Tim Growl Legacy <laughs> Show. So so I'm not going to talk about Kelly. All right, that's fine. We just we just know that where where where, where it went now. So uh, we'll put it this way: I finally have a chance to get, maybe get Joe Montana on here <laughs> because he's you know until the Ireland uh, he did a uh, halftime. Uh, 
spot. They were talking to him, interview him. Until that time, I didn't know that that was what was holding him back, too. So, right. anyway, we'll go on to uh, uh, other things. So, have you been around? Joe was that he's been with SMA and saw how – back to the size thing. That still always fascinates <laughs> me how Brady Quinn played at the weight that you won uh, an All-American, became an All-American. Yeah, but you, you just can't believe that each year the kids get – bigger and faster and stronger and it's been going on for 60 years when we were here we couldn't believe how small the all-american linemen were that were 20 years younger than us so sure. it's yeah. i mean they were they weighed 220 mm -hmm. we we weighed 250 the big the big ideal all-americans when i played were 65 260 that was huge now it's what 67 315 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that's a lot of change yeah. In, yeah. in in that amount of time and so I, mean, I, I don't know when it's going to stop, but it hasn't the, stopped yet. Yeah, the nutritional science is just oh, whew, off the charts. Well, what it is with and those guys being so big is their speed, though. They can still like, oh, they run. Can still, they yeah. can still fly. Yeah, and, and as we were talking earlier, and Theismann is a perfect example, mm -hmm. is quickness in all sports, whether it's soccer right, or baseball or basketball. Quickness trumps size. On all, it's, it's a great equalizer. Mm -hmm. And so... Oh, Mike, how you doing? It's okay. <laughs> Sit down here. This is John Dampier. Mike. 1972 captain for Notre Dame. Mike Gould is going to join us, and we're going to we'll talk together for a few minutes, and then we'll 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 let uh, let me go. We'll let John go, and we'll we'll talk together. But so you guys probably never I have never met. I take it. No. Yeah. So this was we've been talking about the size of players nowadays and the difference. You know how much what, bigger they are. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the position, to be frank. Um, shoot, you know, I played inside linebacker at 6'3", 6'4", like 250. Mm -hmm. You know, and nowadays, like, your NFL linebackers are in the 225 range. Right. So it comes down yeah. almost quickness, Yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it depends on the position. Have you, you know? had a chance to uh, be next to uh, Audrey Estime? I have, actually. I went, um, it was basically Coach Freeman's first spring. He had a bunch of ex-players back for like a dinner. It was really nice. They, they did a bang-up bang job. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to get around a lot of players. Yeah, I do a podcast. I just, I was, yeah, that, yeah. when so, I introduced you, I was going to tell no, that's what you it's do. Fine. So. Yeah, so, but it, that was fun because it gives me a chance to kind of size guys up. I, yeah. Watched yeah. Your la I watched your latest one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, like our linebackers are much smaller than me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but in Audric, um you can see why he hurdles people when they go Goodness up. gracious. I mean, he's In like, the fourth quarter, he's doing that. He is so deep-chested. Yeah. I mean, he's like a – yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. yeah. He really is. There's no body, no body fat uh, on him. Somebody on some show yesterday said, would you rather uh, have to tackle Audrey Estime or uh, uh, be uh, tackled by uh, Liam Merrifel? Okay. One of those two guys. Because mm, wow. both of them, I mean, he's – He's got his hair flying, and he's sticking it at linebacker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to have a big game today for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Don't you think it's going to be the front seven that determines the outcome? Man, you know, this this is all about matchups. You know, you've done a ton of research, got to watch a ton of film. And I, I just truly believe at my core they're going to try and run the ball, you know. Yeah. So, yes, our front seven. You know, Maris is a great kind of fast-flow player. You know, he loves to run and chase. Mm -hmm. And it's like this is one of those games you're gonna have to diagnose kind of downhill, um, and that's that's something I'm gonna be paying a lot of attention to. The one thing I'm really concerned about is I'm concerned about their wide receiver speed and and, the, and oh they're fat yeah they they have 
sprinter. Marvis Harrison Jr. They, they have sprinter outside speed. I have an awful lot of con confidence that I haven't seen our defensive backs as a core. I've seen individuals, but as a core, this group is really strong. Yeah. But that's the one match you, you know, long. We need to stop those long home runs. Yeah, and Harrison, I mean, Harrison's one of the best players in college football, if not the best. I mean, he's top two, top three. So Absolutely. And, I mean, I, Cam Hart's one I talked yeah. about a lot on my show. He's been around for a long time. And, again, you've got all the physical tools. Time to make a play. You know, we know Benjamin Morrison can do it. So that's what I'm uh, – just another intriguing aspect to this matchup. Yeah, it's a it, – So is it, is it going to mostly probably be Benjamin on well, they don't Harrison. travel, right? So, you know, by traveling in that, right. if Harrison's on the left, the boundary, okay. if he's to the field, Hart's going to have him. He's to the, the boundary, boundary, so they're not going to travel. Okay. So, you know, you would say Hart's going to have 50% as many opportunities sure. as, as Benjamin will. we got to go for a break. Roll damn time. Uh, we got Pales Bills, and we are back here at the Five Guys, right across from Five Guys between Brewburger and Urban Outfitters. You're listening to the Legacy Heat Air Game Day show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we're back with the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Reminder, we still got oh, 35 minutes here down in the center of Eddy Street Commons across from Five Guys between Urban Outfitters and the Brew Burger. Um, if you missed the beginning of the show, our show is podcast and will be available tomorrow. You got to catch the beginning with the uh, Irish bagpipers escorting uh, Joe Theismann down here and serenading <laughs> him a little bit. And uh, that, that was a great first hour. Now we are joined by um, 2004 leading tackler. My notes say 97 tackles. Mike Goolsby, does that sound about right? Get to 100. There we go. What's that? Yeah, couldn't quite get to 100, but yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> Did you have any idea you were? Even close to that in that oh, last hell yeah. game. Oh yeah, I absolutely. Was <laughs> so were you pushing guys? Were you pushing guys out of the way? Let me get to the let me get to the run. Well, you know, yeah, hundreds a nice, nice, easy number. So yeah, it was kind of a goal, sure. <laughs> so Mike came out of uh, Illinois, and let's we're going to talk about his recruiting. But there was a time that Notre Dame recently didn't really recruit. They kind of left the the Illini State open. Now they seem like they're going back and looking in the state again, especially around the Chicago area, like where Chris Orange came from and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's always been players there. I mean, there's down years. There's there's good. You know, be, there's better years than others. But uh, yeah, there's a ton of talent there. And like you know, my high school that I came out of, Joliet Catholic, it's almost a mini Notre Dame in terms yeah. of there's what 15 state championships now. You know, it used to be an all boys school. There's a lot of tradition. Um, Is there know, a fight you know, song? Pat Coogan's a Chicago League kid. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, of course there's a fight song. Yeah, no, so. no, it's a Notre Dame's fight song because I went to a school here in town and our fight song was Notre Dame's. Oh, no kidding. So. Yeah, no. No, it's a little bit different. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just good to see them kind of back making inroads to, you know, Illinois kids. I, Charles Jagasaw is an Illinois kid. I think, you know, he's – I mean, he's got a – God, has he got a lot of ability, you know. Yeah. So uh, – and uh, who's the kid next year? Cam Williams is an Illinois sure. kid. So, yeah, they're out there. So you came from Joliet, and you were a linebacker and a tight end. That's right, yeah. Any preference? Or how were you recruited oh, by Notre Dame Oh, man, I think for? I could have been an All-American tight end. I really do. You know, I could, I could run. That was my thing. That was why I was so heavily recruited. I could fly. Yeah, 10-8 yeah, you know? in the 100 meters. Yeah, I could fly back in the day. So yeah, I even played corner one game in high school. You wow. know, I basically played safety as a senior. But okay. that's um, – I never quite knew what I was doing in high school. I was just, you know – 
big and fast. So, yeah, yeah, linebacker worked out. So linebacker, you like to tackle people. Tight end, you're trying to avoid the tackles. Yeah, we played in this double wing offense. So, I mean, oh. we averaged, you know, three passes a game or something <laughs> like that. So I, I wouldn't have had much of a highlight reel, you know, coming out. So you're recruited by for, for the linebacker position by who? Who came, what coach came to your house? Oh, this was, um, so this is under, you know, Davey's tenure. So Greg Madison recruited the hell out of me. Hell of a coach. Um, you know, and I actually had him on the podcast a month or two ago. And, you know, he had my mom wrapped around his finger. You know, he just, I mean, he, he couldn't have done a better job. So, you know, you know, there's a bunch of schools in the picture. But as soon as Coach Coach Madison came to school, it was kind of over. You know, it was a wrap. And a lot of times the decisions were made without even taking a trip to the campuses. Was that true with you? Um, no. I mean, we were, where I grew up is two hours door-to-door -to, -door to campus. So we were okay. up here all the time. Sure. Yeah. Again, I mean, he had us in his kind of back pocket. So, <laughs> you know, I mean... We only visited Michigan. We visited Michigan State. That was about it. I mean, we went to Notre Dame over a dozen times, you know. So when you had your official visit there, do you remember which player uh, had a Hosted you? Hosted you? Oh, I do. Around? I do. Yeah, Gary Gotze hosted me one Gary Gotze. There's yeah. a tight end He's quarterback. In town. He's in town. Oh, is he really? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. One of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. Gary, so yeah, we had a good time. You'll have to help me get him for a show. We'd <laughs> yeah, love to hear, yeah. hear his funny stories. Is he going to tell funny stories about you? Oh, I'm, you'd have to ask him. <laughs> you got one about him? So that's no, a yes. No, no. <laughs> no, we'll keep that uh, between he and I. All right, so, so we're in so the... So there is something there. We'll have to find it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I ask players a lot that if the cell phone was wrong with people taking pictures, would they have finished their career out? So I got Better asked... And they said no. I got asked... Uh, yeah, I get asked. I get asked funny questions on that podcast by the audience, and yeah, I was texting with buddies, you know, ex-teammates a couple days ago. It's like we all said that, like, thank God there was no cell phones back, right. you know. So it puts a lot of pressure on these kids nowadays. So take us a, a little bit into your career at Notre Dame. Did you have a favorite opponent of all the teams that got you to play? Because back in the you know, I guess a favorite game. I guess it'd be a favorite game and a least favorite opponent, right? So okay. you know, I mean. Yeah, back then, I mean, Michigan State was a big rivalry for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Purdue was a big rival. Boston College probably hated them the most, you know. Um, you know, Tennessee was a fun game. A lot of big games. I mean, a lot of great stadiums, um, home and away, right? So I couldn't really nail down one in particular that was a, a favorite. You well, know? John Dampier was just talking about that he never liked playing in the Coliseum. Hmm. At, it's a uh, great point. That's a great point. Yeah, and I've, I, I, said, I said this on our pod many a times. Like when you're playing, and again, I got to play against Reggie Bush, right? Who's right. you know probably the most talented guy I ever got to line up across. But that damn field at the Coliseum, and I don't know if it's the speed of the SC players, but the field feels bigger. Sure, it feels why it's like sixty yards across. It's one hundred and twenty yards long. Like yeah. it's a crazy thing to try and explain. Like a Canadian field. It yeah. just feels bigger when you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. A, so, you know, us playing SC at home this year is a massive advantage yeah, oh, for us. Yeah. Massive advantage. Yeah. We don't have to have that horse riding around. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hear, yeah. That, hear that song all the time. Oh, yeah. my, goodness, my goodness. Oh, they play it all week in practice for you, too. They you get, pump it in. Yeah, it gets you accustomed <laughs> to it, yeah. Makes sense. It does. Yeah. It does. So were you in the Bush Push game? No, I wasn't. You I graduated the year before? I left just the year before. Okay. So, I, like, today we've got a, we got a field pass. You know, where you're out on the field prior to the game. Back in the day, your field pass, you got to stay down there all game, right? Yeah. So I was blessed enough to, like, be on the field all game, 
you know, star-studded. You know, Ricky Waters, Joe Montana, all those guys. Sure. Right there. So that was you name dropper. That was very cool. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. You just like dropping all those names, don't you? Well, you know it's the a, names too. It, 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 it's a lot of weight. I can't drop them like you can, though. So you, you got the cachet. I, you know, I don't. I don't know well, do that. Comes to the territory. It does. It does. So um, we were talking um, earlier with John, and a number of guesses how Marcus Freeman has brought a lot of alumni back in the fold and stuff. Uh, yeah. Like his approach of how he's. Oh, I love it. I mean, you can't talk about the tradition at Notre Dame, which is such a a very real piece of this program, of this school, et cetera, and not have players around. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you talk about that four for forty piece, which is his. You know, big part of our recruiting pitch will always be that way. And not have, um, you know, the ability to interact with football alums, you know, because we've been in those kids' shoes and you want to help them out and when they venture out into the real world. So um, it's an obvious thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that yet you've got a coach now that's embracing that. Right. This is Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on news, or Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're outside uh, across from Five Guys right between Urban Outfitters and uh, uh, Brew Burger. And we're with uh, former Notre Dame linebacker Mike Goolsby. So, Mike, on your on your podcast, you talk about getting questions and stuff. Um, people get real technical on that, or are they a more emotional type of questions they're asking? Well, it depends on what we're talking about. You know, you can get into some of these quarterback conversations, and it gets really heated. <laughs> you know, uh, people get damn near personal with some of that stuff. But, um, you know, I, my show, I really just try and strike a balance between being entertaining um, and then, you know, delving a little bit into the X's and O's, right? I mean, the, it's it's tough with the format. You know, you want to break film down, but copyrights, et cetera, makes it, like, sure. incredibly difficult yeah. to do right. so. So, you know, we started doing it three years ago. Almost begrudgingly, I got kind of roped into it, and I've, I've really embraced it and had a ton of fun with it. We've gotten a lot better. Yeah, and view, view, viewership's gone up, so. Yeah, listen, like I said yesterday, how often do you cut a new podcast? We try and do it typically every Sunday night. Okay. So I'll... You know, like to, like tonight, watch the game here. I'll be watching it on an iPad to you know rewatch the TV right, copy. Right. I'll do the sure. show tomorrow night. So I like I like to really try and get a chance to watch a game a time or two, and then I kind of pride myself on bringing up unique talking points that the other Notre Dame talking heads might miss. So right. that's uh, and sometimes you got to go through that film with a fine tooth comb to find oh, yeah. those things. Yeah. You know. So what do you think you're going to be talking about tomorrow of tonight's game? Great question, Tim. It's matchups, dude. Matchups. You know, like how good are our corners, right? Um, how stout is the front seven going to be? You know, my biggest concern is the interior offensive line. I'm, you know, I'm going to be, like, laser focused on that. You know, we know we've got Sam Hartman, yeah. but you have to keep him upright. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to make plays on his own, you know, outside the pocket. We haven't seen a lot of that. So you least. think there's some leakage between center and the guards? That's the area you're worried about? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, you've got great tackles. Fisher's played well, and mm-hmm. Fisher's, you know, Fisher could play better. You know, he's, he's not Joe Alt. Uh, but, yeah, I just think athletically – that's a concern for me in terms of just a, it's not a, it's not a technique thing. It's not a scheme thing. It's just athletically how well do we match up at the guard position? What are you going to be looking for as if you're a linebacker on that team? It's, um, you know, like Maris Leofiles had a great season, but it, to me, it's like fitting downhill, uh, reading downhill, run fits, Golden's Al Golden's scheme, 
I'm curious to see what that looks like. He loves to bring a ton of pressure, but sometimes you can get knocked out of your gap. So please, that kind of balance, you please know. Please, no safety blitzes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're gonna bring them, let's just bring one this year. That's right. We don't need to bring both. And do it so, like yeah. the second quarter. Or when, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not a game on the line. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Thomas Harper's had a hell of a season. You know, transfer. Um, and he gives us a lot of flexibility on defense. Plays super confident. So there's just a lot of fun matchups, and you know the. Back to Coach Freeman, the athletes that he, he's bringing in, they're better, they're longer, yeah. they're faster. And these is one, this is one of those opportunities where you get a chance to, like, see how you match up, you know. It's been said that a lot of the experts, um, they view this Notre Dame team as the fastest and the deepest they've had in years. Hmm. From what yeah. you've seen, do you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, I think, again, football nowadays in the NFL, at the college level, it's traits driven, right? In terms of length, speed, times, et cetera. And we're just continually, you know, like reel in more of those kids, you know? Um, so it'll be fun to see kind of like this old guard, like at, that linebacker, like we got a ton of studs that I'm just like, man, I can't, you almost want to fast forward to next year and, and beyond. So you get to see some of this younger talent and see what they're made of. So you think this is going to be a low scoring game? I do actually, man. Yeah, absolutely. I said on the show, I think it, we, it would not shock me if it was zeros across the board coming out of the first quarter. Um, you know, the, the total points opened at 57. It came down to 55 and a half last I checked. And, I, yeah, I just think it's going to be feel each other out. Think of a heavyweight boxing match. You know, you're going to feel each other out the first few rounds. You know, their quarterback is not a young guy, but he hasn't played a ton of ball. Um, and, I, yeah, again, I think they're going to try and ease him in through the running game and – look for bigger players you know later on throughout the course of the game we were talking before maybe, i don't know if maybe it was your podcast i was watching a lot of podcasts yesterday that went back and analyzed a lot of the past ohio state uh, losses and it was always against a very physical team yeah. that they had no losses and i'll say this and i didn't hear this and i've kind of watched this they always lose games in the first part of the season when they get in the meat of the big 10 man they run them off until they get to Michigan these days. It used to be the yeah. for them, too. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their schedules are funny. But, no, I would agree. I mean, physicality is that absolutely. I mean, that's part of the Notre Dame brand of football that Coach Freeman wants to implement here, too. And, you know, I think it's 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 widely known. I mean, they got their asses kicked by Michigan because they just got beat up. Right. You know, and, again, we're talking about Audrey Gestime earlier. <laughs> you know, you've got a real-life monster. And, like, as I said on my show, that kid was put on the planet to do what he's about to do tonight. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. Hartman gets so much of the publicity, rightly so, but it's, you know, we got the nation's leading rusher in our yeah, backfield. Estimates. I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah. He's the real yeah. deal. So don't ever shortchange Audrey. No, he just goes through. He just goes through. And they're kind of at the beginning, we're using that five-headed monster. Now they realize they need to give the, the stone. I think the that Love is the most hit. talented back. Yeah. You know, I said, said right. as much coming out of high school, mm -hmm. just in terms of raw ability. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's the best player, but in terms of God given ability. Yeah. So, and he's been so damn close to breaking one. Mm -hmm. And I think really that, that balance between Audric, you know, hammering it inside, yeah. and you can run an outside stretch play to Love. Um, I mean, it's stuff like that, you can just, you can literally picture it. Mm -hmm. Do you think those uh, two long pass plays? weren't not just indicative of what Central Michigan was showing as defense, but it was a Ohio State, we want you worrying about we can stretch the field on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't blown away by the two long pass plays. I mean, one, the corner fell down, you know, <laughs> so it's nice that we uncorked a few of those and put it on film, and Sam does throw a beautiful deep ball. 
Um, that's we talked about matchups. It's another one. You know, what does that wide receiver separation look like? You know, how, how difficult of a throw is Sam going to have to make? How difficult of a catch are they going to have to? And you got a lot of freshman receivers. In you there. got a, basically all freshman that's receivers. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a very young group. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just again matchup driven. And I said that you know prior to the season even kicking off is like Sam is not a miracle worker. The guy doesn't walk on water. Mm-hmm. Our receivers are going to have to go out compete for the ball. Right. And right. we're with uh, Mike Goldsby uh, on the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day show. So. I always just like to talk sports, but these days we got to talk about your opinion on, first of all, NIL. Hmm. What do you What do you uh, think's going on in, in the college ball these days? Oh, it's it's. A, I'm envious. <laughs> I'd like to think I was worth a few bucks back in the day. I always sure. assistant. So, what would you have liked that? What sponsor? A food? I don't know. As oh. long as the money's green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the first one to say yeah. that. Good job. Yeah, I as like long that. as the money's yeah. green. I, I mean, I was the same way, right? Okay. As long as it's not like feminine products or so, who knows, right? I mean, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm envious and like, uh, I mean, it's 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 good for the sport. Something had to change. Uh, you can't have college coaches making eight nine million dollars a year right. and then kids not being able to, you know, afford to go to Burger King, right? So I think, I think it's a little bit off kilter at this point. I think, and I think over time things will settle back down. Yeah. You know, I mean, because some of this is wild, right? Yes. Oh, God. It's, 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 it's wild, wild west right Yeah, it's now. wild. It's wild. Some, um, some teams go the approach that they, say Sam Hartman would get a contract for $3 million. That $3 million gets spread over the whole team. Fair. So, right, I was just going to ask you, so you think that, because that's not the way most of the universe Well, I, you work. know, endorsement deals is one thing, and then, you know, pay for play is another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if you're a five-star quarterback, you're a Dante Moore or something like that, and you just you, you go grab a bag of cash, and I'm sure it's more nuanced than that. Well, I'm not a fan of that. Sure. But, you know, if you get an endorsement deal, more power to you. Absolutely. So what do you think about Transfer Portal, the next non-football um, not That's not good for the sport, but, again, I get it, you know. Um, Was there at any point during your career at Notre Dame that things were just – yeah, my sophomore year, I was not up. happy. I mean, okay. I didn't get. You know, I was on scout team, burnt a red shirt on scout team, running down my kickoff team, and then you're trying to learn the defense your sophomore spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't happy, but you know, when, especially when we're talking about football, gentlemen. Like so much of the stuff that the game can teach you—that oh, yeah. stick-to-itiveness, sure. that grit, that toughness—I mean, that's a huge part of what this sport is and what it ought to be. And if you can just dip out if you're not happy, um, that's not what the game's about. So again, all of this is ought to be nuanced you know in my, in my opinion um you know i don't have the answers but it's a tough they haven't had answers for a long time it's just wild how like you know back when i played i mean if an alumni bought me a, a steak dinner mm-hmm. i'm worried about getting in trouble right sure. i mean it was like you couldn't you know you couldn't do you could you couldn't do anything even mildly out of bounds and now it's like it's lawlessness i right. mean you could get away with murder yeah and transfer portal, I don't have a problem with maybe one transfer or if your coach is fired or something like that. But I think in the Louisville game, we're going to face a quarterback that I know played at Purdue and there, so it's two different places. But somewhere along the line, I think I saw where he had, had played at another school too. So that means Nordim's going to face him either twice with other opponents or three times. No, it's wild. Opponents. I forget what game I was watching. <laughs> it might have been, was it Colorado State, Colorado? Well, there was a lot I think of Colorado State had a receiver that's played eight years of college football. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's there's, insane. There's a kid of Miami who's uh, petitioning for a ninth. 
you know, that's it's that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Right. So I mean, even like our Sam Hartman, you know, this is what his sixth year or something. Uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's 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 really something. Again, another yeah. thing I'm envious of. Yeah. And then one last topic: uh, conference. See Notre Dame ever join in a conference? Again, that's above my pay grade. Would uh, you like them to be in a conference? Don't care. Okay. Yeah. I really have no thoughts on it. If okay. I'm being, I, it's a lame answer, but that's how I feel. Hey, we'll get a <laughs> we'll get a score from you, and uh, that we'll be on our way. My prediction again: I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, uh, 28-24, Notre Dame. Aren't you cop or have a lot of confidence when they got this kicker that's got a leg and our punter's got a leg too? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If it's, I don't know if I'm confident quite yet in the kicker, but it is. Not, it's a nice piece to have, right? Yeah. Um, It'll be yeah, like to, to have that leg. I mean, I, I'm, it doesn't give me confidence, but it is a nice little it's a nice I guess, arrow to have in your yeah. quiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like Reggie Ho. He'll go to kick the final kick. The wind will stop, and he'll be kicking it right towards touchdown Jesus and win the game. Right. I'll take that. All right. All right, Mike Goolsby, we appreciate it. And up your podcast. Yeah, the Mike Goolsby Show. Look it up. All right. You got it. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. See you all. Thanks. All right. Hey, we will be right back uh, down at uh, Eddie Street Commons across from Five Guys. And uh, come on right back on your home for Friday Night Football, Sports Radio 960 WSBC. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. The Irish own the night. Tonight's the night. Green beats red. Tonight's the night. Notre Dame beats Ohio State. There's a lot of big games going on today, and I, I know enjoy, some I enjoy the drama that you just put into that. I'm trying to. Like that's you know, well, that's really, some you know award-winning stuff right there. What if we haven't won the last five games against them, and all of them right. have not even been pretty cl- even been close? Right. Last year, you know. It was kind of, you know, cl- kind of close. They yeah. pulled away at the end, really. Right. But um, right. Well, we got a lot of close games going on today. So how about some scores? Yeah, Florida State and uh, and Clemson. That went to overtime. Uh, Florida State uh, just won that, thirty-one to twenty-four. Wow! Uh, so Clemson's got two losses already. Right. Yeah, we were just looking at the schedule. It's just like, man, if if, if we got to do another seven a.m. show. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Now we don't want to do those. Clemson needs to run the rest of the game, so it'll be a night game again. So, right. uh, let's see. Oklahoma beat Cincinnati twenty to six. Okay. Uh, Michigan beat Rutgers thirty-one to seven. Ooh, surprise. Uh, let's see. Utah leads UCLA seven nothing right now, and then oh, uh, and that's what their starting quarterback was out, and they put her in their second stringer, and they're mm-hmm. ahead seven nothing. Defense, right. a defensive game with the Chip Kelly team. Right. Jeez. Oh, well, no points. I mean, like a minute in. Oh, wow. come on, Chip. Where's your offense already? It's been a minute already. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no score between Oregon and Colorado either. So There's it's, there's just games all over the map today watching yeah. the, the guys there's this morning. ton and, of uh, great shows. Did uh, you turn that games. on? Did you turn that on at all this morning, the uh, game day show? I did not, no. Which, you know what, folks, I'll remind everybody, this show, game day, has been on for 51 years. They've only been on since 73. We've been on since 72. Anyway, I, I digress. Um <laughs> There had to be three to 5,000 kids down there. Yeah. And uh, somebody told me they were camping out down there at 6 o'clock last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, like, this whole, this whole, like, weekend, you know, like, starting Thursday, there's just been a buzz around here. Yeah. And, you know, you, you saw the stage going up, you know, over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, by the library. And... Like, come, come on they, now. Touchdown they, Jesus. That's where yeah, everybody knows touchdown the, yeah. <laughs> uh, They've, uh, I, I mean, ESPN has brought... 
all of it yeah. with them. You know, yeah. McAfee was here. Right. Uh, I think they're do. I think they did a Sports Center or two from down here. They did. You know, like I, I, I got to work on my connections with ESPN. You know, yeah, right? why am I getting any of them? Those people over here, right? You know, and stuff like that. Hey, let's um, uh, let's do another set of spots here and, and get caught up a little bit, and uh, we'll have a couple more minutes to talk. And then, oh my God, the show's over already. You're listening to the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. little bit in the Notre Dame band. You'll be hearing them today. Kickoffs at uh, 7.30. How about those bagpipers earlier? Oh, man. I tell you that what. We've awesome. got We've got some new friends. Yeah. And uh, I, as I think I said on the air, driving. So we took a golf cart and uh, Tegan from uh, Cout Realty, we want to throw a, a special thank out to uh, her and to the uh, uh COO of uh, Kite Realty, that would be uh, Tom McGowan. We appreciate everything they do to uh, let us broadcast from down here. It's it's a whole lot of fun, and it's a whole lot of fun where there's even more people. And that, and I had said something to Joe about coming over here, and I didn't want to tell him about the bagpipers, but he described <laughs> it as a parade. I described it when I asked the bagpipers to do it as if you're going to be like the Pied Piper, and they're going to lead everybody, and it did. Not all there were any people heard it. The police cleared off. Uh, thank you, South Bend Police. Thank Speaking you for your of service. Parade, here's one uh, a bunch of golf carts going in front of us here. Man, they got some music going <laughs> yeah. too. Hey, hang around here. You can take take me and my wife out to the campus. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, and they were so cooperative and excited. Yeah. One thing I saw is the heaviest piece of equipment was that big bass drum. Uh huh. And, and I swear that poor girl that had that, she looked like she was. She was drained. Oh, man. I she, thought, what the heck? You she's know, probably took, had a busy weekend. Oh, she had, when she was over there, she had it down there. And, yeah, folks can't see me, but she was like this. Yeah. She kept the beat, yep. but she was like, like she, needed a, some, she needed some water, some terrible <laughs> stuff. So who, here's a, who a guy who's been plying us with cold water because it is a little warm down here, but uh, we're not sissies. We can take it. Um, uh, County, this is a beautiful day. Come on. Yeah, county executive, and I think it's the 1990 Indiana oh. Broadcaster of the Year. Is that the right year? 90. What year? No. Uh, 98. 98. Okay. But who's counting? Hey, back, I'm old. That's back when I was on air full time. <laughs> now I just I just play around with that stuff. And he would be Brian Miller and uh, that does a lot in helping get this set up, not just physically set up, but all the intricacies uh, uh, that surround it and stuff. Hey. Like free, free parking while we're on the show. <laughs> right. Well, you, uh, you hit it on the head, though, with Tegan Lawson and her team here at Eddy Street Commons taking great care of us and uh, – uh, making the arrangements to get Joe Theismann here. You, kudos, Tim, to getting the uh, the bagpipers out here. That was probably one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen from one of our game day shows. It yeah, was it, it was great. And, and Joe, as we were driving uh, down there, I was walking and letting him be in the car as we drove down. He says to me, um, you need to do this for every game. And I said, Joe, I just wanted to do it for you, for make it special for you and stuff too. Well, later on the show, he said the same thing. You guys need to well, – I talked to the bagpipers, and they've got to check their schedule because they got a lot of people want them and everything, but uh, they won't be escorting anybody down, but just marching down here will bring people uh, down here. Although, shoot. You might have started a new tradition. Too. We may have. Yeah. Well, yeah. because here's the, ne the next home game that we're going to be at down here is not till October 14th, and that's against the dreaded Trojans of USC. So, man, yeah, I, I've got a whole bunch of people lined up for that show, so we're probably, we could do something else, some really good 
Notre Dame Stars have already committed that far in advance to that. So good idea, Brian. So Brian, so you were on the call last night on WSBT for our local fans, Mishawaka and Warsaw. Give us a short recap. Actually, last night on 96 won the ton. Saw Mishawaka take sole possession of first place in the local high school football Northern Lakes Conference race. They uh, disposed of a undefeated Warsaw team and 34-11, uh, to 11, and they uh, now control their own destiny in the league, although uh, nothing is sewn up and there's still three weeks of high school football to be played. Who do uh, they got coming up? They go to Northwood next Friday. Uh, Northwood's been a bit snake-bitten, but bounced back with an impressive win last night over Plymouth. Um, and you never know in high school ball, right? You never know when you're dealing with 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds. And um, talent-wise, Northwood is probably the most talented team top to bottom uh, in the Northern Lakes Conference. Uh, Mishawaka, on the other hand, playing very, very well right now. And uh, uh, I won't say I didn't expect Mishawaka to win last night, but I certainly did not anticipate a game uh, dominated by the Cavemen as much as they did. So uh, great news for, uh, for the Maroon and White. Uh, local high school football season, uh, hard to believe. It. We're two-thirds done. Uh, yeah, right. You know, we, you're basically, you've got uh, three weeks left in the regular season, and the sectional draw will be just a couple of weeks away, and the state tournament then begins uh, right around October 20 or 27, depending which uh, which uh, class uh, you're in. And, you know, some teams get bye weeks, other teams go right to work, but uh, it uh, is starting to get exciting. All right, we appreciate that update, uh, Brian, and thanks again for all the help during the during the show. Hey, you guys did a bang-up job today, and, and thank you to Joe Theismann for spending extra time with us. And uh, uh, this has been a lot of fun so far this season, and look forward to uh, USC weekend. Please make your plans to join us next Saturday when we broadcast from the WSBT studio from 2 to 4 as Notre Dame takes on Duke for another night game. For Jim Arizari, this is Tim Grau. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Light them up, Matt. everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.